Blog Talk Radio. She's been called one of the best record producers in the business, and now she's releasing her own EP, and it's a home run. SJ is here. You're listening to Music Friday Live. From Los Angeles, California, the music capital of America, it's Music Friday Live. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. Our guests are here to talk with you, so you can call them, 347-215-7511, or email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And I want to welcome our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates over there in the East Coast. You're going to hear us later tonight. And also, um, so I want to say hi to the uh, Artistic Echoes and Canal Side Radio Network uh, audience who are going to hear us tomorrow because it's today. Well, you know what I mean. Anyway, as well as everyone on the Blog Talk Radio Network. So if you have questions or comments for our, our guests, email them, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. We'll forward your questions to them so they can reply directly to you. If you're listening to Music Friday Live on a podcast, you know you've downloaded us uh, from uh, iTunes or Blog Talk Radio, you can still email questions to our guests. SJ, which stands for Sammy J, was one of the UK's first female music producers, and she excelled in a very tough business for a woman. She excelled all the way to a Mercury nomination, the UK equivalent of a Grammy. She moved to L.A., America's music capital, and a very competitive environment for anyone of any gender, and she continued to excel to the point where she has been called the best in the business by many of her peers, including some of the world's biggest music stars and producers. Given her tenacity, her talent, her success in both producing and songwriting, it's no wonderful. It's no wonder, uh, which she's wonderful too, but it's no wonder that she's a powerful advocate for women in music technology because she's a living embodiment of what women can do in the control room as well as in front of the microphone or plugged into a guitar amp. Her debut EP demonstrates her singular ability to concentrate deep feelings and powerful emotions into spare lyrics and hypnotic notes. And it's called appropriately first it's due out March 22nd and it's powerful music magic. And we are proud today on international women's day to preview the album and to talk with the woman who created it. SJ welcome to music Friday live. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, there's so many things to talk about. Women in music, yes. working with Death Jam, working with many kinds of artists, including a Korean boy band, moving from the UK to the <laughs> yes. LA, and I'm sure Sunshine had nothing to do with that. Um, oh, nothing animal, at all. N- nothing at all, <laughs> no. Animal Rescue. Um, yes. <laughs> but why don't we start with, with the album, okay? Um, okay, uh, yeah. The EP you're releasing on the 22nd. What prompted you to put out your own record after two days of producing records for other people? It was a lot of encouragement from people that I'd worked with, actually, um, over the years. I used to demo a lot of the songs myself to send to people, to guide people's vocals on. And just over the years, people have been really supportive, and they kept saying, when are you going to put your own record out? Put your own record out. And uh, what I wanted to do, though, rather than just putting out my own record as an artist, 
I wanted to make it a producer record. One, because that's really where I'm most comfortable and what I love. Um, but also, I wanted to showcase um, the collaborations with people that I love and do a producer record because no women are doing it in pop. There's tons of dance DJs out there, you know, Calvin Harris, uh, David Greta, who have records all the time. You know, DJs do all the time where they feature vocalists and writers on the top line. But that's really it. So I thought, well, I could do that. I could do that as a producer and have a producer record and put people on it that I like, whether they're famous or not. You know, it doesn't really matter. They're good at what they do. So let's do that. And then I'll, I'll sneak a few of my vocals on there as well <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> well, what happened is really good, right? Thank um, you. Has has the process of producing your own EP differed much from the process of producing someone else's other than the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, definitely. It's it's so weird because there's that um, sense of insecurity and anxiety and perfectionism and perfection is fallacy. You know, it doesn't exist, but you you get into your own head and you start to think, well, I have to represent this myself and what if it doesn't suit me what if my my identity doesn't work with people don't get it and of course all the artists that I work with are probably having the same feelings about what we do but when you're on the other side you can be the objectivity to them and say no this this is working for you this is great we're going to do this and you you're so free with the writing when it's with somebody else but then when you turn it on yourself all kinds of anxiety and insecurity kicks in and you second guess it. I almost crashed the EP and rewrote the whole thing again. And uh, then I just thought, if I do that, I'm never going to put something out. It's going to be another record on the hard drive that they're catching digital dust. <laughs> I'm not going to to anybody. So I sort of bit the bullet and thought, let me just get this out and then I'll do a few more. Yeah, well, it worked yeah. really well. Welcome to my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of collaborators on the EP, and you just explained why, yeah. and I want to talk about mm -hmm. them. But first, uh, I want our, our audience to hear a sample of the music on this EP. So uh, I'm going to play Perfect. a little bit of Acid Rain.
know that the, the music in that sounds so innocent, so 80s, dance, synth, pop. But then you listen uh-huh. to the lyrics. <clears throat> I'll go home without you, but I like the pain, my imagination shooting poison in my brain. That's mm-hmm. really heartbreak, right? I hope that wasn't personal oh, heartbreak. Yeah. Um, but it was you... personal to my co-writer. So it oh, okay. Real. Right. That was a for sure. <laughs> Were you and your co-writer, and who was your co-writer, incidentally? Her name's Hilary Bernstein, and she goes by the name Hele. So that record is actually featuring Hele. Yeah, that was her LA voice, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, well, right. But mm-hmm. the two of you really concentrated um, what sounds like months or years of hurt uh, into a kind of yeah. a spare handful of words. Well, well done. Uh, did it come oh, easily? Oh, thanks. Um, it's like we wrote the song really quickly, um, but I think it was a combination because we're really good friends. So we used to live in an apartment building in West Hollywood and our dogs were puppies at the same time. And we'd sit on the step and cry about all kinds of things. So we were already in that zone of massively oversharing. <laughs> so <laughs> we just had, we turned one of our chats into a session and the lyrics it was it was painful, um, but the music went in many different shapes and forms before we got to the 80s thing. It was a piano ballad, and then it was a tropical house thing, and then it was something else, and then eventually, I uh, many months later, was mucking around with this whole 80s synthwave thing, which I'm kind of obsessed with, and it really did really well. So, uh, <laughs> but it, it didn't sound like that right away. It went through a few different versions before we got to that. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I love it, but you know, I, the first time I heard it, I, I just sort of sat here with my, uh, in, in my uh, chair and, and bounced around and said, yeah, I like this. I remember that. And then I started listening <laughs> to the lyrics and said, whoa, somebody went through a lot of pain there. <laughs> right. Oh, All right. Yeah. This, you, let, let, let's move to something different now something very different okay. and i suspect that this is personal um i want to play queen You know, when I listen to those lyrics, um, uh, I, I think about the, the Instagram picture of you, seven or eight years old, in pigtails, <laughs> grinning behind a synth keyboard, right? This Which giant to, synth. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think that song's kind of been inside you since you were a child. Is that 
true. I think subliminally, um, it was it, it was interesting actually. It actually was written after I came back from Africa. I was very lucky to go on a trip with some of the producers from the UK to Africa um, that Damon Alvin was putting together. So it was Damon, the yeah, 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 um, Idris Elba, and I think two weeks before the trip started, they realized they didn't have any girls. And so <laughs> I got a call saying, oh, we fancy coming on as a producer because we haven't really got any girls. Um, and so I did. And so I'd made loads of beats based on all the musicians in Mali that we'd been recording and piecing together ideas. And, and then Drea Thornton, who's the singer on that track, yeah. was just vibing to some of those ideas. And once again, we, we came up with this song that then went through a remix and ended up where it is now. So, you know, that's, that's also been through, you know, a little bit of a, a revision and a switch up. But the message has always been the same. We, we were always clear on what we wanted to convey with that. And we're actually going to start a campaign with that song, which uh, you can keep an eye on in the coming months, we're going to be supporting the Sub-Saharan charity to school young girls, and uh, we're going to invite people to send videos and pictures of them and their grannies and their sisters and whoever to be in a video that's all about women, and that's going to be for that song in the coming months, so you can keep an eye on that. Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, let us know when you launch that campaign, and we'll give it a little publicity. Yeah, um, that would be awesome, for sure. I, as I was listening to lyrics, um, well, let me read some of them here. Um, Eyes so wide, you read her soul. She thinks the world is her own. Well, I can dream to be a queen, can't I? To be a queen, can't I? Well, you know, you are a queen. Uh, the dream came true. Uh, you know, the, the concept of queen may have changed a little bit, but, but when it comes to music and the power to do what you love and make people happy, I, I think the little girl sitting behind that synth, um, is who wanted to be somebody when she grew up is now somebody. Did she well, get what she really wanted? That's really kind of you. That's really encouraging because I often don't feel like that. I think, you know, we all sort of, there's the creative process, right, where you start something and you're like, this is amazing. And then it moves to, this is okay. And then it goes to, this is terrible. And then it moves to, this might be okay. And then you land up, this is amazing. <laughs> and so within that, you think, yes, I know I'm supposed to have confidence in myself, and I do, and I'm doing it. But you have these moments of, you know, what if it doesn't reach anybody, or what if no one gets it? And really, all I want to do is, is make people feel something that gets them to the next place that they need to be at. So whether that's just, you know, turning on a record because you're a bit down in the dumps that day or you want to car dance, you know, as you're stuck in traffic and that makes you feel good or you want to purge some heartbreak so you need music for that or you want to get into fight mode because you've really got to take something on and win, you know, whatever it is, that's the job of song and, and that's, that's all I want to do and, and if I can survive doing that, then I'll be perfectly happy. That's, that's it, really. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, having heard that, I, there's another line in there that I kind of curious about. Then, um, her castle's in the clouds. It makes her daddy proud when he looks up. Um, was that 
part of the driving force behind your success? Well, I mean, I think not specifically to me, because obviously I, Drea and I put that song together, and uh, I think it, we, we all look to father figures. We all look to have those references to live our lives by. And my dad was super supportive. My dad never made me feel like I couldn't do anything because I was a girl. It was never an issue. It's only when I got out into the wide world and started to, you know, hit a few walls that it became apparent that, yeah, you uh, you have to see yourself through a lens in order to be able to do what you're doing. And the problem is if you don't see yourself reflected out there in that place where you're trying to exist, your psyche tries to tell you that you don't belong there. So that's another okay. reason why we, we have to sort of explain to people that, yeah, women are technical. Women okay. are leaders. Oh. Women are producers. Okay. All right. That uh, explains that because I, I didn't notice that line. It sort of jumped out at me. Let me remind our audience that we're talking with SJ. And um, I'm told we're not going to take any emails today, but, uh, or rather, we're not going to take any calls today, but you can email. So, and some of you already have. We've actually got some emails here musicfridaylive at gmail.com. So, I'm going to um, go to some of these email questions. Um, Amelia in Los Angeles wants to know. Where is a good place to go to get training in production? Ooh, that's in Amelia. Um, the Musicians Institute is pretty good. Um, that's in Hollywood. And other than that, to be honest, you you really want to see if you can shadow some engineers. You know, if you could contact a few engineers and ask them to sit in on sessions and watch some YouTube videos, speak to other producers. And it's a self-taught slash mentoring thing. You know, obviously you do need the technical training, but in lieu of that, um, there's so much talent here. There's so much technical expertise. I would just see if you could do interning somewhere and pick it up that way. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Uh yeah. Um, we have a email here from Reynolds in Tampa who wants to know, does a producer also master a record or is that a different set of skills? That's a different set of skills, which is so important and not always the easiest to find. But I, I have mastered music before, you know, certain TVQs and bits and pieces that I've put out but really only because I didn't have a budget or it needed to get done really quickly and you know it was good enough at the time but I I haven't mastered any of this record this was done by this awesome guy called Jonas Westling in the UK who's a genius and um, it's such a separate skill separate ears and it can make a break or mix you can have the best mix going in the world and if you get the mastering wrong it, it, it just ruins it so Similarly, you can have an average mix in the mastering, you know, takes it to the next level. So, yeah, two separate things, definitely. Okay. Um, Lucinda in New York wants to know, is producing, is the producing environment in the UK for a woman different than it is in the United States? 
Um, it feels a little easier in the UK. Um, but then again, you don't necessarily have as many opportunities, especially with TV and film. You know, the epicenter of that is in Los Angeles. Um, it's tricky. It's difficult as a woman, wherever you are in the world, in the music industry, I think, because you're expected to really just be a vocalist or a lyricist, you know, or maybe vocal production. Um, I think it's hard on both sides. It might be slightly easier in the UK, possibly, but it's six or one half a dozen or the other. Well, I have a, a couple of questions on, on that myself. Um, the, the move from UK to LA being about sunshine, but I wonder why did you <laughs> re- relocate? <laughs> and, and I know that because for, I worked for a nonprofit for a while. I had an office in London and I also taught at Oxford oh, for a while. And, and I, I can't, uh, oh. I can't remember any days in which I actually saw the sun. So, so why did you, so, why did so you move to LA? <laughs> well, I first came out to LA at the end of the nineties when I was actually signed to RCA records. And I worked with this producer called David Gamson, who to this day, I think is an absolute genius. And um, he had brought in all these amazing musicians to work on the record, Michelle and David Cello, Wawa Watson, um, Billy Preston, on a record that never came out, by the way, <laughs> for all that excitement. Um, but I, that was my first trip to L.A., and... It obviously, you know, set me on a really good track. But at the same time, regardless of that, I just felt such a spiritual connection to the place, which I know some people will sniff at because they think L.A. is the land of the fake. But it wasn't for me. It's so artistic and so freeing and encouraging. And, you know, I, I love my Brits, but we can be a bit cynical at times. I think any Brit will tell you that. And uh, you come to L.A., and if you want to sell soap for a living, someone will get out their phone and say, I know a guy who knows a guy, and let's do this. And <laughs> So you just you want to do it. But it took me 10 years to get here. It's not – immigration is no joke. I know people think people can swan in here, but it's not easy. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of credentials and a lot of letters of recommendation and tons of stuff to help me out but um that also takes a minute to figure out so i got here eventually and i've been here 10 years but i love it and my my roots are here and i've I've always been in love with the city like all of it from the beach to the mountains i love it i love la (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad to hear that because it's my hometown right Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. And the weather does have a fair amount to do with it. <laughs> it does. It does. I'm I remember, not going to uh, lie. <laughs> the, the first time I, um, I taught at Oxford uh, in summer times uh, in a special program, and the first time I got off of the train in August, my daughter and I had to run to Dedenham's and buy jackets. <laughs> we weren't ready for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. goodness. Well, especially because oh. it's on L.A. There's no way yeah. you'd be prepared for it. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to ask you um, something else about uh, uh, the, the email that, that we, we got from um, Amelia. I have noticed, mm-hmm. and you may have too, that uh, DJing mm-hmm. is, um, mm-hmm. has, has embraced women. There are many, many women DJs yeah. uh, here in oh, L.A. Yeah, that's true. Allie mm-hmm. Stone, the Chulita Vital Club, many. 
And and when mm. I was at Nam this this past Nam, there were lots of women in the booths playing with the equipment. And I'm just wondering, oh, is okay. DJing a pathway into producing? Ah, I don't I don't really know. It can be depending on the genre and depending on how artistic you are with it. It really depends on what you're doing with it. You know, if you mm-hmm. are um really creative with the filters and the delays and you you're really mixing as opposed to just fading cool songs in and out. You know, mm-hmm. which is also I'm not taking away from that because you need to read the room and you need to make people feel something mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. choice of song. But then there's also what are you doing with the excitement? How are you dropping things in? And that is a sense of arrangement, which is really important for production. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. not, I, I'm pretty old school, so I don't think it's enough Um <laughs> to put you straight in the studio and start programming and micing up drum kits and guitar amps and spending two days finding the perfect snare sound, you know, it, it's things like that. So it's it's definitely um, a cool gateway. And perception-wise and profile-wise, people automatically assume that DJs produce. So you, you kind of already get a leg up in a way. But, uh, yeah, it's a small part of it, but I, I don't think it's like an automatic transition. Okay. All right. Well, let's get back to the, to the music uh, and to, back to the album. Uh, there's a song in the EP that, for me, just just really, really stood out for for a number of reasons, and and that song is Grace, and I'm going to play it. many times uh, I play it. It's uplifting, it's comforting, and it's gut-wrenching and soothing all at once. Uh, It's an amazing piece of writing. Thank you. That makes me so happy. Well, it it should, right? You create an (laughs) image there uh, of, of a mother sitting in a rocker with a storm outside the window singing to her child. And let me read to the audience some of the things that you that she's singing this kind of lullaby brave the rain oh that's lovely 
brave the rain and the change. Let the grace mm-hmm. show you what life has mm-hmm. planned and help you understand. Yeah. Dreams can come and go as you grow old. The wind blows hot and cold. Remember, you are blessed and you can find the way home. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> you've been in the music world for a little over 20 years and you've been on earth yeah. almost twice that long. Um, <laughs> is that a song that is kind of an accumulation of the wisdom that all of those years have taught you and that you want to pass on? It's, I don't really know, to be honest. It, for me, that's the most self-indulgent record that I've ever made because I, that's one of the tracks I just did by myself in my room where I locked myself away and I thought, you know what, I'm going to stop thinking about what's popular or what people might want. I'm just going to do what I want. You know, I love those 90s hip-hop beats and I'm classically trained on the piano and I love these wispy, high falsetto vocals and lyrically I want to do something that speaks about that intangible spirituality that we all need because when we disconnect with it, you feel completely lost the world is hard (laughs) but when you can find that grace somehow even if it's the the tiniest little space in between the space when you can sit in that then that's when you find your way back home in a sense and it's just how I felt so I don't know if it's wise or not it's just that is probably the most honest song on the record from my perspective well, if, if that's what you can do when you lock yourself in your room, you should lock yourself in your room more often. <laughs> right. I, I'm, um, I was thinking of maybe doing more of that style on the next EP, but we'll, we'll see possibly. Okay. <laughs> um, I wonder, is, is this um, also a message to women who want to, to do what you've done to, to wield technology you love and be recognized and rewarded for it, that any woman can find her way home? Yeah, I, because also it's important to retain your femininity while doing all this. You know, just because it's a man's world in many respects, it doesn't mean you have to try to be like a man. You don't have to take on masculine traits. We still need that balance. We need both male and female. And, and the way you're wired as a female brings many different angles to that which is so interesting. And so that combination of grit and grace, you know, of the sort of the dirt and the the glam is what women embody, I think, because you have to be so strong all the time. But you also, we're girls, so we like to, you know, fluff it up. <laughs> so it's just well, you certainly who you are. Like, embrace, embrace your femininity and be female, but, but don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it because you're a female. Does that make sense? Well, you know, that brings the question. And I haven't been in the business as long as you have, but, but over the years, I have been in it, I've seen women <laughs> take and be accepted on the drums. Mm-hmm the bass, the lead guitar, band leaders. Yeah. In fact, half the countries and half the guitars in the country are now, are now sold to women. Um, wow. So That's cool. why, why are only 2% of producers women? What's happening in the production studio? Oh, man. And, you know, there was an article in Huffington Post 
last year that said there's so few female producers, we're not even going to bother to count um, to even get an accurate percentage, which is so sad. Um, again, I think it's all about perception and what you see yourself reflected out, out there. You know, it's the same in television and why it's important for TV and film to be diverse. You know, whatever you are, whether it's, you know, whatever race, um, nationality, culture, gender, sexual orientation, you need to see yourself represented because the brain and your psyche, like I said before, just tells you that you can't do it. And so there, there's still not enough women in technology and music production. And I think it's because they haven't been encouraged and they haven't seen enough references for themselves doing it. And when you feel like that, you just sort of, you automatically take different routes. It is changing, but I, I'm not sure why it feels like one of the last things to change, especially in entertainment. You know, there's loads of TV directors yeah. and producers out there, but on the music side, like 3% of all movies made are scored by women. Yeah. Only 3%. Yeah. So it's... Well, how do we fix it? Visibility. What what can people listening to this show or this or this podcast do to help that along to help change that? Are there organizations that are working on that? The Grammy Foundation. um, I'm a a voting member of the Recording Academy that puts on Grammys, and they are starting a lot of initiatives for this. They have one where they're um, trying to encourage labels. And production companies to pledge to hire women as engineers and producers. Um, so they're really trying to shift it along. It's it's slow, but I think it's coming. You know, it's getting ever so slowly easier. So you you just got to get out there. Unfortunately, it's still the same situation where you have to be twice as good as your male counterpart because people are just watching for you to make a mistake or turn in a light mix. They think because you're a girl, your mix is going to be lightweight. You don't know how to mix a fat kick drum or a booming bass, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, it just sound. Of course you, of course you do. Um, so, yeah. Well, we've got, we've got one more of your songs to play, but uh, I wanted uh, to ask you something that, that popped up as we were doing our research that has nothing to do with music. Um, or maybe it does. I don't know. You'll tell me. And that's rescuing farm animals. Uh, you work with an organization oh, called yeah. Gentle Barn. Could you tell us about that and, and why it drew you in? First of all, I don't actually work with them, but I am a huge fan of them. Um, I So about seven years ago, I, I got my dog, who's a rescue from North Central Shelter. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I eating meat, eating everything, really, not really thinking about it. And then when I had my dog, um, I started to realize, okay, four legs and fur sleeps in my bed. I love her like a child. Then over here, four legs and fur stuck in a crate for their whole life, you know, being beaten and tortured and or force-fed or kept pregnant for their whole life so we can take the milk, cars being taken. I mean, I don't want to make it horrific, too graphic on air, but the reality is it's all horrific. There's not a piece of farming that isn't horrific, and that's just the reality of it. 
And so the gentle barn rescues farm animals from backyard butchers, from substandard conditions, animals that have been neglected and abused. And they do an incredible job. And you can go up there, you can even take your dog, you know, you go up there, you take your children and wander around animals. They're all roaming around. The cows have giant beach balls that they play with, which blew my mind. Cows have friends and they love to play with balls. You know, and there's goats running around and horses and there's horses with backs that are bowed because they've been ridden too much. And, you know, it's it's not a preachy thing. You you go there and then you suddenly get it. And so all of these things combined, I thought, I I can't contribute to the farming industry anymore in the way I consume. So I want to be more compassionate in my consumerism and my choices. Um, Not to say that everyone has to be vegan all of a sudden, but if you just bring it down, bring the level of consumption down, then the welfare has a chance to be better, you know, and we can be kinder. and, And that's the bottom line is just compassion. Let's just have compassion. We're all mammals with central nervous systems and emotions. Well, for, for people who want to follow up on this, it's www.gentlebarn.org. And for my L.A., Southern California listeners, um, there is a Gentle Barn in Southern California. It's out in Santa Clarita. Um, yes, if you're wonderful. in L.A., you just drive right out the 405, doing it on a weekend, mm-hmm. right, obviously. Oh, yeah, and, uh, on you Sunday can... morning, actually. Sunday morning is a really nice time to go. And the traffic's light on the 405. Um, and you can yeah. also go to the website, and you can um, tell you about it. Tells you about how to visit. Tells you about the animals that are there. It also tells you about how children are involved in the program, and also how exactly. you can donate. Yeah. So I thank you. you. You will come back changed if you visit. You really will. Well, <laughs> th- th- thank you for bringing that to us. I mean, I would have never known about it uh, if uh, I hadn't uh, oh. talked to you because I know about horse oh, rescue, good. but but not the oh. gentle barn. Well, well where they we have are... some horses there. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Glad to hear <laughs> that. Maybe we'll go out yeah. and take a look. Um, I promised one more song uh, oh. to our audience, and so I've got to deliver. And the song I want to play um, is Avenue, and it features the L.A. Transplant Australian Grammy nominee yeah. Sam Sparrow. So here is Avenue. Oh, and- 
extra that because you know that that that's another song uh, about hope and confidence, and and this time you encase it in kind of an '80s alternative synth pop dance shell, and and I really like yeah. the mix of sounds there. There are lots of layers, but they all mm-hmm. sort of mold around Sam's voice, and it makes him smile. Sounds like he's smiling through the whole song. Very nicely done. <laughs> uh, right. uh, it, it, it sounds like it came together really easily. Um, did it or appearances it deceptive? Did actually. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we had been talking about writing together for ages because we had a few mutual friends um, and we kept running into each other at like the movies and various different places. And when we finally did get together to write, it was right after the Orlando shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just both, we just finished watching it for hours on the news and we were both super upset by it. And so the song was kind of birthed out of that. But obviously we didn't want to turn it into something sad. We wanted to keep it positive, but it's about being united. And, you know, obviously that was, what, 2016 before the elections. And so little did we know it was going to become even more relevant as the last two years went on. So yeah, it's about, it, that's why it keeps repeating stick together. We have to stick together. We can't be divided. You know, we have to just stick with love and keep it together, people. <laughs> well, you, uh, you pull that off well. Um, Thank you. you know, uh, we, we keep talking, but unfortunately we are just about out of time. <laughs> right? uh, I mean, that's a song that has some personal realization in it. And uh, my personal realization yeah. right now is that we're out of time. So I want to say thank you Aww. so much for spending your, your, your morning with us. Where can people get oh, the thank album? You can find it on all digital platforms, wherever you listen. You know, you can download it from iTunes or Amazon. You can stream it on Spotify. Um, the, the, the songs will, will have videos on YouTube. Um, so wherever you normally get music, you can get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> once again, uh, uh, thank you so much. That's SJ, short for Sammy J. Her debut album first comes out March 22nd. You can get it on all digital platforms. Now, you've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from the Cyberstation USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds, and get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. And uh, if you download this, if you want to download this, you can. You can go to Music Friday live uh, programs on Block Talk Radio, or we're also podcasting on iTunes. So tune in next week. We're going to talk to the Korean pop sensation, Tiffany Young. That's going to be fun. So check out our Twitter stream and our Facebook page, and we'll update you on Tiffany. And right now, let me just say that I'm Patrick O'Heffernan. This is Music Friday Live. Have a great musical weekend, and we're going to leave you with some more of the fabulous music from FIRST.
future. 